This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Hello everyone, Um, today's Bible verse comes from Leviticus 20 verse 27, a man or a woman who is a medium or a wizard shall be put to death, they shall be stoned to death, their blood is upon them. So all of our Dungeons and Dragons characters from now on cannot be wizards, they must be warriors or rogues. Mm. This is Scripture Read Badly and I am Jeremy. My name is Ryan and... Today we are reading chapters 28 through 30 of Genesis, which is uh, quite a a significant portion of Jacob's life, spanning roughly 20 years. It's very significant and very weird at times. Yeah, and uh, how does it begin, Jeremy? Uh, Where are we at in chapter 28? It begins with Jacob's dad um, blessing him and leading him to look for a wife, But he also reminds him of the fruitful and numerous blessings that God has bestowed on the family line. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a little weird that he um, gets him to go back to the homeland to get a wife from there. Because this flies in the face of the idea that they would be a blessing to the nations and that they would go cross-cultural, like everyone says that Abraham did. But then it Mm -hmm. also makes sense because then they would have similar cultural beliefs. Yeah. But then that crops up later for me because they. it also seemed like they didn't have similar cultural beliefs because of some Mm. conflict, but we'll get to that at some stage. Yeah. Um... Also, just before Jacob, or at the same time as Jacob going off, um, Esau seems to marry out of rebellion to the most cross-cultural lady he could find, (laughs) to the exact people that um, Isaac was like, please don't marry those guys, and Esau's like, I'm going to marry those guys. Yeah, (laughs) and cause great grief for his parents. Yep, Um, classic. We'll get to that. Then eventually we head to Padamaran, uh, where Jacob uh, meets and uh, eventually hooks up with a couple of sisters and their servants. Yep, classic. Uh, has lots of kids and becomes very wealthy. And then that's kind of where we leave uh, right before Jacob leaves. So uh, Genesis 28 begins with Isaac instructing Jacob to only marry from their family. Or their, their bloodline. Yep. Um, and we did talk about this in a previous episode with Isaac being instructed to Do to go more. back or to have his have his servant go and, and find a wife from this very family, in fact. So um, this is reiterating the fact that God wants their blood to be uh, of a particular... It, it's, it's helping to... I guess establish a Jewish nation, a Hebrew line. Yep. Um, with the with all this incest and and stuff. Um, Classic which incest. At the, which at the time was was not against God's instructions, no. obviously. Um, and it was really only with the law that was brought to us through Moses that uh, that we discover that incest is no longer what God wants us to do, but yep. He wants us to, um, yeah, not uh, degenerate as it were, genetically. Yep. 
Uh, okay, so the fact that it's the same family, probably, like I just said, ensures that the genetics are more distinct. Um, and and I wanted to note that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob then all married from this one family. Yep. Because Abraham's half-sister or sister, yeah, something like that, uh, was Sarah and then, uh, and then uh, her niece or their niece, I don't know. Was Rebecca blah blah blah, and then Rebecca is his cousin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or something. No, no, no. Yeah, his I... next one, Leah and. Yes. Rebecca, right? Leah, Leah no, and Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Leah and Rachel are Jacob's cousins. Yes. Um, okay, so then we move on. We uh, we see that Esau. Uh, yeah, it's interesting the way the Bible words this. It says Esau sees that the Canaanite women didn't please his father or didn't please his parents. <laughs> so he just marries Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, which I uh, I wanted to point out here could be that uh, it was him rebelling against going back to that particular family um, that Isaac instructs Jacob to go to, but instead he's kind of marrying along the... Uh, the promised line through yep. Ishmael, maybe. Yep. So maybe he was he was rebelling, but then he justified it by saying, "Well, she is the daughter of Ishmael, yep. and Ishmael was Abraham's son, so I'm keeping within the family. So you can't have, uh, you can't really hold that against me." Um, or he could have just been rebellious. It could have just been rebellious. Which one do you think it was? Uh, I would like to think that it was rebellion. Mm-hmm. Or, but also yeah. maybe self-righteousness like well I can make my own life without you guys because they seem to favourite Jacob or mm. yeah and he's just like nah I'm going to make a thing of myself and he becomes a prince right or maybe yeah. I read that wrong yeah well he becomes the brother-in-law of princes because Ishmael had I think uh, 12 sons that became 12 princes so. oh yeah so he he married a princess essentially. Solid. I think he's every boy's he's dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every boy's dream to marry your cousin. <laughs> um, as long as she's weird. a princess. All right. Uh, yes, and then uh, then okay, because later on, just as a one last note on Esau here, later on in chapters I think it's 31 and 32 or something like that there's Jacob's encounter with Esau yeah. after Esau basically tries to kill him and drives him out of his own country yeah um, he goes back and is actually greeted warmly by Esau yeah and it shows that there's been some kind of reconciliation um, and uh, and and stuff but I don't I don't know maybe this was youthful rebellion yeah, that that Esau had, but I think Isaac. No, sorry, Jacob was. Uh, no, we knew what age Isaac was. I think he was forty when when he got married, but I don't think we find out what age Jacob was. But I think that's beside the point. What He's I'm probably trying to get like here is eighteen. That, yeah, and it's it's twenty years between the last time they see each other and. And when they are reunited, and that's why Jacob thinks maybe he's been holding against me this whole time. Yep. So I better send a massive gift ahead of me and and whatnot. Um, but it it seems as though Esau's life straightens out a little bit. Yep. Maybe, but 
we don't have too much to go off there. No. Um, no. All right. So we move on to Jacob's dream. He's on his way to Padamaram, and uh, it was dark, so he made a camp, and he used a rock as a pillow. As you do. Yeah. Very comfortable. I, I think of Ice Age, uh, where Sid the Sloth is kind of lying on the rock, and he's yep. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just what I pictured Jacob doing in this, uh, making a lot of fuss about the fact that his rock is not very comfy. Yep. Um, I I think the the closest thing to a rock I've ever slept on was a copy copy of A Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Because we were sleeping on concrete, and I was like, well, this is softer than concrete. I'll just put my head on this. (laughs) Some would argue that that book is somewhat of a rock, but... Yes. Um... I, I've definitely slept on concrete before. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't think I've ever used something like that as a pillow. I've definitely stuffed a a jacket inside of a uh, a sleeping bag cover. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And then kind of stuffed it together and made it a bit of a pillow. That is definitely um, a good one. Yeah, that was a little bit more comfortable than a rock, I think. Yep. Um, do you think maybe him sleeping with his head on a rock has something to do with the fact that he had a funky dream or um I don't know <laughs> probably not yeah because yeah. you don't really sleep well if you're on no. a rock maybe he um okay ate okay too many so that, red then, snakes? that begs <laughs> maybe then that begs the question if he was not really sleeping that well was he maybe having a lucid dream and perhaps catching a glimpse of a greater reality than that which he uh, he sees while awake. Yeah. So maybe, maybe while he's kind of half asleep, he's like, oh, I can't believe I am trying to sleep on a rock. And then he sees heaven. Uh, he sees a ladder going up and down heaven with, with messages going up and down on it. Um, and so then it's kind of like him uh, peering behind the curtain a little bit. Yep. I don't know. It must have been tangible enough for the rest of his family line for a long time to believe it. Hmm. So it couldn't have just been, oh, yeah, I woke up and I felt like I had a nightmare, but I forgot all the details. Like, it must have been so real and so detailed to him that he remembered it. Because I think later on in this passage even, he holds to that promise. Mm -hmm. So... And I think I've had dreams like that, but I've also had a lot of dreams that are like, yeah, I think it was a giant bird and I was on fire. <laughs> but it wasn't like enough that I took a message from it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've had a couple of dreams where I've woken up having learned a lesson yep. somewhat, um, uh, le- learned a spiritual lesson. I had one where I learned the, the power of declaring Jesus name. Yep. Yet when I try and explain that to people, it kind of plays out like a movie in my head, but to other people, it's just this spattering of random images, and yeah, and uh, and it doesn't really make much sense. Um, but from what I've heard, from what I understand, people that have encounters with angels or see angels or something like that, where it's kind of an undeniable experience, that kind of sticks with them, yeah, and. That's not something that they easily forget, and often if they see angels, it's in a way that makes sense, yeah. even if trying to describe them doesn't. Um, the The setting, everything that happened during that encounter, 
usually makes sense and stands the test of time. Yeah. Uh, great. So there's a ladder, not a stairway to heaven. Um, angels are going up and down and God stood at the top and he blessed and established Jacob as part of the promise. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because we saw earlier that Isaac blessed Jacob and not Esau. Um, and kind of said, now you're part of the promise because you have the birthright, apparently. Um, but this is God confirming that blessing that Isaac gave. Yeah. Um, and establishing Jacob as part of the promise, um, even even beyond what his father did. Yeah. Which is cool uh, because there are times in a son's life where it's like, oh, this is the family's thing, but this isn't really my thing. So it's cool that yeah. God... Confirmed that with him personally. Mm. Yeah, and that that could have even been a, a moment uh, like a lot of us have, where we grow up in a in a household of faith, and then when we are a certain age, we kind of begin to doubt things, or we don't really know uh, what to do with the beliefs that we were handed down. But yep. when we have our own encounters with God, and God kind of establishes the relationship with us personally it, uh, the faith becomes ours not that of our parents yep um so that is uh, it could be what what is happening here with jacob um and god says through jacob through jacob's family all the families of the earth will be blessed and i think i think that's interesting because uh god is here making a very absolute statement yep um and we we bring that uh, many thousands of years down the line, and we're here today. And I I don't know if I can confidently say that all the nation, all the families of the earth have been blessed uh, through uh, through the uh, the establishment of this covenant. But I I can't say that they haven't been. Yeah. So, but if yeah. you track it so that Jesus was a part of that family line mm-hmm. and Jesus won the battle against death and et cetera, et cetera, then yeah. could you say that they have been? Uh, yeah. Or is that too vague? Well, I, I, think, I think what I'm just getting caught up on here is the fact that people are born and then die yeah. without ever hearing or encountering the gospel. True. Um, so perhaps he is also including Judaism. Um, no, he's definitely including Judaism. Um, but I, I just don't know if, if you could say that somebody that grows up and lives their entire life in a South American tribe who never hears about Jesus, never, never whatever, um, but then I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps that's including not only Jesus but the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came to Earth, he became accessible to all families of the Earth. So yep. maybe, maybe that's uh, it's a bit of a mind bender. But maybe that's where he's going with with that kind of a an absolute statement. Do you remember that show Mind Bender on an episode of Lane on Woodley? No. I am too young for that. Whoa! You need to get on it. It's a good show. <laughs> Mind okay. bender. Anyway, um, yes, but I wonder if this is hyperbole. I wonder mm-hmm. if it was one of God's things that this is going to be true if you do the bargain that we have 
established like he does uh-huh. with the Covenant later on. Yeah. And I wonder if somehow they will bless everyone <coughs> in hindsight or yeah. pro-sight. I don't know what the forward sense of hindsight is. Foresight? Foresight! Boom! Forward? No, wait, wait, wait. Forward sight. I think... I don't know. Future sight. I don't know. Because foresight's something different. Future anyway. sight. And then God... Um, repeats the whole I will be with you and then mm-hmm. he says I will bring you back to this land Yeah. because he's promised it because they don't have it yet then mm-hmm. he wakes up and it's so clear and so tangible to him that he says surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it this mm-hmm. is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven and then yeah. he yeah. does what the Jews continue to do and he gets some rocks and yeah. Yeah. For some reason, he puts oil on it, and he calls the place <laughs> Beth-El, which comes up so many times later on, mm-hmm. because it means the house of God. Yeah. Yeah, and this, this is the first uh, the first mention of Beth-El. Um, and quite honestly, I think if I had an encounter like that that changed my life, where God established a covenant with me um, in, in such a tangible way, yep. in an undeniable way, then... I I probably would build something or set some kind of a reminder, paint a, a something on the wall or I don't know. But wherever I was, I would I would do something similar. I would make sure that in the future I remembered everything that happened at that place. Yep. And my descendants knew what happened at that place because it was so significant. Definitely. So our version would be take a photo and put it on Instagram. Exactly, Hashtag life goals. <laughs> yeah, because Instagram is eternal. It really is. is. And we've got an Instagram if you'd like to look it up. Scripture read badly, <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> we certainly do have an Instagram. And you will you'll find all sorts of fun photos and, uh, and things trying to get a discussion going in between episodes. But also... Uh, some fun updates from the podcast in general so that's that is one to follow and uh it's uh it's gonna be good for you if you do that you your family will be blessed like three veg and meat yep exactly like three veg and meat okay genesis 29 this is the account of jacob getting married Um, and as we remember uh in uh, earlier on with Isaac getting married there was this whole thing where he, the servant went to the well and then Rebecca came and said I will give you a drink and I will also water your camels um, this time there is another well but this time the watering happens in the other way so Jacob arrives at a well not far from Padamaram and he meets some shepherds who end up being uh, of the household of Laban or his his employees or something um, there was a large stone at the mouth of the well that they would roll away to water all the flocks at once I have a hard time picturing what this would look like I'm sure there have been pictures out there of what it looks like there's gotta um, be pictures yeah I, I wonder if it's something like what they have in uh, when you drive past a farm and they've got that little uh, watering hole thing Yep. But it, it, it's kind of like a trough, but it's covered with a, a rock. Yep. Um, maybe that's so that they can move it to the side so that the flock can be watered, and they put it back on so that the flock don't drink when 
they don't need to or other animals don't drink from it maybe that's what it is yep but I'm not a farmer so I have no idea nor am I a <laughs> theologian so I also have no idea yeah I'm um, neither of those things but I did cut down a big old bush today and it was incredibly fun so maybe I should awesome. take up farming and theologianizing. yes I think that's the official term so uh, the question here that I have is why would you wait for all the flocks to be present in order to roll the stone away when you could just water one flock at a time uh, evaporation mm-hmm. security okay. maybe okay. okay they just liked hanging out doing it together yeah maybe uh, well, I don't know how long it took to water a flock I imagine it would have taken quite some time because there yeah. would have been hundreds or thousands of sheep in a flock yep um, and uh, so then then that that is the reason that it makes me wonder why you would wait for there to be 15,000 instead of just 5,000. Yep. Um, but then, like you said, it could be evaporation and stuff. I'm sure it was quite hot there. Um, and it's the same... It's a similar area, though not the same well, as the one that the servant of Abraham went to. Yep. So uh, he said it was quite hot there. So... I think evaporation makes sense. What do you guys think? If you have any better theories than evaporation uh, about why they would water the flocks all at once instead of separately, email scripturereadbadly at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know. You can also go to our website um, and I think you can fill out a a contact form there and you can put a comment on. Um, Yes, that's a fun thing to do. Um, also, uh, if any of you have kissed a girl for the first time and started crying, please also message us that. <laughs> and why did you start crying? <laughs> all right, all right. That, that's about uh, two verses down the page. Uh, so before we get there, the shepherds knew uh, who's... Uh, sorry. The shepherds knew Jacob's uncle Laban. Yep. And they point out his daughter Rachel, who is a shepherdess. Now, what's the significance of of a shepherdess here? Because I know with David, um, the fact that he was the shepherd of of, uh, of Jesse's family was in part because he was the youngest, but then also in part because he was the most trustworthy so that he could yep. look after his father's wealth. Um, and perhaps it was because he was the most physically suited for the role. Uh, what is the deal with Rachel being a shepherdess? Do you think maybe she was uh, she was being trusted with her father's well? Obviously, he had other employees and stuff and people that knew him and yeah. helped take care of the flock. But what's the significance here? Is she the she's the youngest sister, so maybe she's the youngest in the the family. And does she have any brothers? I I don't think we ever find that out. So maybe I she doesn't even have any brothers. We only ever hear about. Uh, Leah and and Rachel, but maybe, maybe that's why he's so sneaky about taking this guy for a ride, and that's why he was so adamant that he take the eldest daughter first, hmm. because they were his two inheritees. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he had yeah. to pay less because he got two for one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder. Like um, the dowry but- was cheaper. 
that's at the that's at the oh, well the dowry was seven years of work but um we'll we'll get to that in a little bit so uh i think the wording in chapter 10 is a little bit funny it says yep. now as soon as jacob saw rachel the daughter of laban his mother's brother and the sheep of laban his mother's brother i think that's just funny instead of just saying cousin and his uncle. sheep yeah yeah um but okay, but then also, of course, there is some significance that it's through his mother's line, not through his father's, and yeah, I, I get that. Um, so they're wanting to point that out. It's just, it's funny the way that the Bible sometimes, for the sake of being thorough, repeats long phrases. I'm, yep. I'm reading through Leviticus at the moment, and the amount of uh, exact phrases that are repeated verbatim, like you must uh, sacrifice the whatever the fat of the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, like that exact phrase, the fat of the kidneys and the long, the long lobe of the liver, which is even <laughs> mouthful to say, yeah. that is repeated so many times. And yeah. so I've been trying to read through it kind of out loud as well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm tripping up over my tongue and the long lobe of the liver all at once. And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's funny. So the Bible. Hmm. What a um, great thing. Yeah. So Jacob waters his uncle's flocks. Uh, by rolling the stone from the well's mouth, which is a kind gesture. I yep. imagine it would be quite a heavy stone. Um, and he's trying to uh, show some show some courtesy to the, the people that are there. So then um, one small question I have is, was Rachel's flock the final flock? Were they waiting just for Rachel's flock? And then she started coming and they're like, oh, we're about to water our flocks. And he says, it's okay, I've got this. Yeah. and rolls the stone away um, or was he maybe rolling the stone away to water their flocks prematurely yeah. while others were out there I don't really know oh so maybe it wasn't a romantic gesture it was just a jerk move Yeah. <laughs> like, who like, is this guy I know that you said you're going to wait for all the flocks and there's only three of them here but <laughs> I want to do this now because I'm kind of into that that girl yeah. um Verse 11. This was the one that you referenced right before. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. Come on, man. Why? <laughs> what a first impression, hey? Oh, it's man. like rolling the stone away when he's not supposed to do it and then kissing you without asking and then weeping. So, <laughs> what is I, think, I think it's funny that he does that before he, uh, he apparently introduces himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh my goodness, you're amazing. Kisses her. Uh, we, we have to assume on the lips. Yep. And then weeps. And what's she doing? She's like a teenager. And she's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Who is this old guy? Uh, <laughs> oh, he's my cousin? Oh, let me go and get my dad. So I wonder, <laughs> Jeremy, maybe you're going about meeting girls all the wrong way. True. Maybe that is the problem. I go to water their cows and then roll some stuff around and then just make out with them. <laughs> no, you have to make out while crying. Yeah, just force myself to cry. <laughs> so any of you single guys out there, this is definitely the way to go about meeting a girl that you're into. The Jacob um, plan, we'll say. The Jacob plan. <laughs> the first impressions are everything. If it works uh, for you, please email us. <laughs> Email your success story to scripturedbadlygmail.com. Oh, man. I, I went about meeting my fiancé a similar way, so 
Um, ding, yeah, ding, ding, and you're getting married in a few months, so it must work. That's right, and it's going to be like a couple of weeks by the time this airs, so yeah, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, not seven years, and we'll get to that. So uh, then he, he goes and is greeted by Laban, a huge welcome. He's hugged, he's kissed, and he is welcomed in for a month into Laban's household. Oh, sweet. So he's just chilling there, probably probably doing uh, doing some work for him as we as we get to. And um, I, I, ju- I just imagine Laban throwing this massive feast and he's this he's this very loud uh, very pre- loud very loud pre-Jewish kind of host. And uh, pre-Jewish, that's an interesting thing to say. And then... I'm writing it down, (laughs) pre-Jewish. And he says, surely you are my bone and my flesh. He he probably sees a resemblance between between Rebecca and and Jacob. Um, And he probably thinks you fit right on in in this family. Maybe that's because he's part of the family. But... um, I think that goes to show the the warmth with which Laban greets Jacob initially, yep, uh, and and shows to him for uh, at least seven years here. So then, uh, verse fifteen says, "Should you serve me for nothing?" So then that that proves that just like every family, if somebody comes home for a visit, you put them to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's been helping Laban and and all that uh, with the the field work and maybe tending to the flocks, maybe rolling away some more stones and kissing girls and weeping and <laughs> other things. And Laban's like, "What can I do for you, man? You've done so much for my family. You've kissed so many of my girls, and I want <laughs> and wept to... <laughs> so deeply, <laughs> and I want to repay you somehow. Uh, what shall your wages be?" And, and obviously he says, I will work for seven years. Um, but right before, right before he says that, there is this comparison, this weird little comparison between Leah and Rachel. And it says, Leah was poor of sight. And then it says, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. I just oh. think that's it's weird that Leah's poor eyesight is pointed out while Rachel's beautiful appearance is pointed out. Uh, Oh, really? Mine says Leah's eyes were lovely. What? Really? And it says, meaning of Hebrew uncertain, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Okay, hang on. I'm flicking through the Bible here. Uh, Mine says Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Huh, interesting. so odd. Uh, oh, but there is a foot. There is a There's got to be something that was outstanding. Yeah. In Rachel, that he was like, I want that one more than this other one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and we obviously saw that with the way that he greeted Rachel. Uh, yep. But then he says, "I will serve you for seven years in order to marry Rachel." Um, side note: Was Rachel really young? So, was she too young to be married, and that's why he said seven years? Oh, yeah, but they probably did stuff like that all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. So, maybe... Oh, okay, the seven seven being the, the, the most holy number, 
maybe that's that's showing that it was a perfect amount of time that oh, he, yeah. he chose to serve. Um, so maybe it was just poetry there. But, but if maybe, it was seven years, she would have been old enough. Yeah, that's right. Regardless Whatever of how young means. she was at, at the beginning. Um, yeah. It would have given Laban plenty of time to warm up to the idea of, of, uh, of giving Rachel to him. So Laban agrees and allows him to be part of his own family, staying in his own house nice. until, until the end of the seven years, which is amazing. Um, and if you've ever gone back home and stayed with your parents for a while, I'm sure you understand how uh, how incredible it is and how much you kind of... Uh, being part of the family is not only a blessing to the family, but it yeah. also alleviates many... Uh, external pressures that you would usually have living on your own, like buying your own food and everything. So, yeah, yeah. There are there are definitely perks to to, to being at home. Um, then it says the seven years seemed to Jacob but a few days because of his love for Rachel. Oh, cute! It just sounds like such a fairy tale mm-hmm. sentence, doesn't it? Yeah, and then it just gets gross. And then yep. Jacob asks for payment. So he can finally go into her. And there's a space in between the word in and to. Don't want to get too crude about that. Um, Yeah, don't get crude, everyone out there. No. Especially don't read scripture badly. That's not a good idea. You've got to do it goodly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, at the end of the seven years, he says, Great, so I've served seven years, you know, like I said. So could you kind of pay me? And then Laban throws this massive feast, and this whole part here confuses me no end. Yep. So Laban throws a wedding feast. So was the bride not present? Was Uh, was Rachel there in a white dress, or was it like a the bride is was was the whole feast thrown for Jacob, and then at the end of the feast, his blessing sends him into his daughter's room and that's kind of how they consummate their marriage and then he's so mad crunk that he doesn't realize until the morning i know that's i i had the note too was he drunk i Uh, assume surely surely he would have known the difference between leah and rachel yeah unless unless leah didn't make any sounds whatsoever yep and if he could see you know or if he I don't know. Knew the shape of her face. I don't know. Maybe. Or, uh, yeah. Or I, maybe I think the, he was blind. Maybe he was blind. Maybe and he was thinking after Isaac. <laughs> and deaf. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just so weird. I'm not very familiar with ancient Hebrew weddings. If anybody out there is, then feel free to email scripture at Oh, yeah. Send us deets. We would love to know all about ancient Hebrew weddings and whether or not the bride was present. Or if she was the present. Ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah, so then in the morning, Jacob wakes up and boom, it's Leah. How the heck did that happen? How yeah, did he not realise? Ah, uh, it's so weird. Uh, side note, Leah probably had ample time to get married before this. Yep. So, I don't know what Laban was doing, holding her off. Maybe he thought no one's as good as Jacob... So I'm well, maybe she was hope... so terrible looking that he was like, nah, no, no one wants her, that. Her eyes were so weak that nobody wanted her. Or her eyes or... were beautiful, depending or on... Her, her eyes were so lovely, nobody wanted her. <laughs> or her eyes were so lovely, nobody was good enough for her. Oh, there you go. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the whole thing's just weird. 
how Super weird. Laban just didn't want to... I don't know. Obviously, he didn't, and he says, he didn't want uh, Leah to get married after Rachel. That's just not the custom of their culture. Yeah. And I kind of understand that using the uh, the birth order and the, the, the patriarchy and, and how everything worked back then. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there was so much time. Seven years is a yeah. long time. And presumably Leah was at least a year older than, than Rachel. So she would have been eligible for quite some time. And yeah. It's just weird. Very weird. So then and Laban then it, says, finish finish the one week of this honeymoon or the, the wedding festivities and then I'll give you Rachel. For if another seven to- years, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He has his fingers crossed behind his back. Yep. And he says, if you serve me for another seven years. Um, then... Uh, it says that he uh, he finally got married to Rachel. And then it said, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Can you imagine? So obviously they would have... I can imagine this this uh, this couple of daughters, yep. they would kind of... They'd talk about how lovely Jacob is for seven years leading up to this point. Yep. Then all of a sudden, Leah's given. She's like, boom, I'm the best. Booyah, I have him <laughs> for a whole week. Just me. And then... Rachel gets married and there's presumably another week of celebration and yep. and whatnot, even though everyone I'm sure is going, what the heck? Yep. Um, and then <laughs> how many feasts can, can Laban throw? Well, at um, least how, dr- how drunk can Jacob get? Uh, um, lots. And th- so then that, I can't imagine there was too much rivalry, too much jealousy happening before this because yeah. clearly Jacob loved Rachel and everybody knew that. Um, up to this point, yeah. Then all of a sudden, Leah gets him instead, and then that kind of begins the resentment of of Leah towards her sister, yeah. And then Rachel towards her sister. I have I have a an all caps note here. What could have possessed Laban to think this was a good idea? Um. Yeah. I don't know. Unless he what was just this- a little bit weird. Maybe. Maybe. What are the psychological consequences of this, though? Uh, well, then it says that, like, Leah must have been so cut. Yeah. That God, either God changes how their bodies worked, or that people just blamed God for how it next happened. Hmm. But it would have been just such a terrible tension in that household. Yeah. Because it was so obvious. Yeah. That he only and, liked one of them. And uh, in chapter 31, Jacob says, I've served you for 20 years. So then then that uh, that seems to be that seven years into him serving, he um, this happens. He gets married yeah. and, and whatnot. So then for the next 13 years in this yep. one place within their father's household... There's this terrible bickering and competition and Yep. I can you I can't, but can you imagine being Jacob or or even being Abraham with the the whole Hagar situation? I mean yeah. it's it's just so uh the fact that God can use people like them and situations like that to bring yeah. redemption to the entire earth blows yeah. my mind. 
Yeah, and um, it's funny that some of us will read into it that this is God's plan, that he would have multiple mothers for his children. But then you think about his principles in the next portion of history and how he's very adamant that people should only have one wife. (laughs) And then when science comes up with children with solid parents seem to end up well. And, like, parents with not solid parents can still end up well. That's not what I'm saying. But, mm-hmm. like, the the utopian ideal, the ideal is that families are a solid unit together. And so this is, like, the opposite of that, where they're using sex and they're using the want of parentage and they're using, like because children and land were their wealth back then, mm-hmm. it's like this threat of like, well, I'll give you wealth if you come into me, or, oh, I'm not giving you wealth, so I'm going to have to sell my mandrakes to get you to come to me or something like that. Yeah, it was just yeah. so stupid. So I don't get it, but yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah, that if it was God's reaction to the disrespect of Leah that he's Mm -hmm. trying to save her dignity and give her some kind of goodness. That's kind of interesting to me. But then is it that people are just attributing stuff to God and he's like, what? This wasn't my ideal. I've already told Mm. you what my ideal was. But his ideal was that they would stick to the promises, that he would bring them back and that he would make them a great nation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of room to move on that one, I think. Um, yep. Bit of A, bit of B. Um, yeah. What What do you guys think? Anybody out there have a similar question about uh, whether or not God intended for people to have multiple wives back then, or yeah, did he? Or anything? Let us know. Um, okay, so then uh, obviously we see that Rachel was barren, and it runs in the family because yep. Rebecca was barren and Sarah was barren, so. That's uh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So maybe it, it was that. I uh, does it say that God closed the womb of Rachel, or was it just that sh- that he opened Leah's? Um, no, it just says that Rachel was barren and he opened Leah's. Okay, so then maybe Leah was barren too, and God did an immediate miracle because that's of the true. way that she was being treated. I don't know. Um, so then Leah believes that Jacob will love her. Now, because she has a kid. Reuben yeah. was born, and then it still didn't improve. Uh, no. Simeon was then born, and Leah again says that she is hated, so it obviously didn't improve. Yep. Uh, and then Levi is born, and Leah is convinced that Jacob yep. will love her now. Three sons. Three sons. And then a fourth, Leah bears Judah. And she praises God. So now her focus has shifted from pleasing uh, from pleasing Jacob, I think, to pleasing God, at least yep. within the birth of this child. Yep. Uh, it, her subsequent actions may not, uh, may not hold to that. But she bears Judah. Judah's name means praise, which is really cool. Um, the fact that God used the tribe of Judah, um, the tribe of praise, as his primary uh, covenant. Sorry, yeah. uh, remnant is the word I meant to say. Maintaining his covenant with the remnant. Um, so then it said that she ceased bearing children. So, um, okay, so then 
I have a side note here. Uh, chapter 31 says that it was the 20 years, right? Yeah. So then uh, all this all this childbearing happens before the the six years that Jacob is, is serving, uh, serving Laban and then acquiring yeah. a flock for himself. So did all this childbearing happen within the... Uh, seven years so he had 11 kids in seven years that seems to be the way that it is implied yeah um, and it's, in, it's entirely possible because their whole thing their wealth was in the children and the land so mm-hmm. if you're trying to get as many children as possible to be wealthy why wouldn't you just yeah. smash them out as quickly as possible true and and I suppose there were also four women uh, yep burying him children okay so let's let's uh, quickly smash through Chapter 30 here. Um, Rachel envies her sister because she's barren. Yep. Um, and why did... Why did Jacob not learn from his grandfather? Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously Abraham had a similar situation with uh, yep. in- internal conflict with Hagar. So then Rachel says, Give me children or I shall die. Children were a sign of blessing from God. Without children, people thought that God was against them. Yep. Um, Rachel was not only jealous, but probably was judged and looked down upon. And so she was probably quite ashamed of herself. Um, Jacob gets angry and says, am I God? I haven't withheld anything. Um, So then Rachel's solution, similar to Sarah's solution, is my servant Bilhah. This will count, right? Here you go. That's right. I'll have kids through her. So what's interesting about... The, the Bilhah and Zilpah situation here is that the naming rights are seemingly still those of Leah and Rachel. Yeah. So Bilhah bears Dan, and then Rachel names him Dan. Yep. Uh, then, then there's also Naphtali, um, and then Rachel named him Wrestle because she said, I've wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. Classic ignorance. By That's not what happened. Two... You cheated the system. <laughs> oh, man. By having two surrogate children. Yeah, I win. Uh, and then, then Leah's response is, here's Zilpa. Yeah. Can, she can have children for me. It's a weird competitive childbearing game. Yeah. And then I she would not recommend anyone doing that these days. The Mandrakes. She gets her, his her son yeah. to sell the mandrake so that she can get some time. Yeah. And then she makes them all. She makes two, three, three more kids. Yep. So she bears Zebulun and Dinah. Um, oh, hang on. Issachar, then Zebulun, then Dinah. Um, Dinah, we, we see later on with a, a terrible encounter that she has with some people and then the subsequent slaughter of those people. Yep. Um, interesting story. So then God finally opens Rachel's womb and she bears Joseph. And she was overjoyed. Yeah. And basically named him, may God bless me with another kid. Yep. So there's that. Uh, Jacob uh, requests being sent away to his own country to lay yep. Saying, I've served you for all this time. Can I please leave? Uh, I'm going to take my wives and my children for whom I have served you. Um, so then that seems to be 14 years into his stay. 11 kids in seven years is a lot. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of sleepless nights happening 
in that household, but I suppose it would only be for a few years, and then you sleep when you're dead, right? Or they did have slaves, so they probably slept great. Oh, true. Yeah. That's what you've got to get, people. Some get slaves. slaves. Yeah. Um, okay, so then Laban says that he has learnt by divination that God has blessed him because of Jacob. He was divining, apparently. Oh, you got to divine, too. Yeah. That's how yeah. you know things. Yeah, the, the footnote in my, in my Bible said, um, divination was later outlawed by God. So Laban's divination here was inquiring of spirits, not God. So it was sinful, yet he still learnt the truth. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't even know if it would have taken a, I don't know, spiritist to, to work that out. No, but apparently true. there was. Most people surely would have been able to tell that there was a blessing on Jacob, and the yep. fact that Jacob was staying in his household was leading to Laban getting more wealthy. Um, Jacob confirms that to be true, which is uh, part of the Abrahamic blessing. Bless those, and I'll bless them. Yeah, uh, Laban asks Jacob what he wants in light of the blessing that he has brought he insists on paying so Jacob says fine give me all this spotted and speckled and and black sheep and goats which and seemed to went, be like a weakness of the sheep like you don't want spotted and whatever yeah, it is yeah he's like yeah. almost gleefully into this deal like <laughs> yeah you get the crap stuff and I'll take the good stuff exactly but then he just does a jerk move and takes all the the spotted ones three days journey away yep so then Jacob goes through and he's like well there's there's nothing here so I guess I'll wait for a number of years and he gets this really interesting idea like uh, a science experiment exactly so he takes some sticks of poplar and almond trees and he peels white streaks in them and puts them in the water troughs in front of yep. the breeding sheep and goats and when he does that the sheep that are born are speckled and spotted um, but when he doesn't they're not so yeah. then he <laughs> then he does this selective breeding thing where he only puts it in the trough when there are the strong sheep and goats that are breeding Genius. and then he he takes it out when the feeble ones are breeding and it's a long game because it takes about six years for his yeah. flock to, to fully <laughs> accumulate. But, uh, it ends up being that his flock is enormous and strong. So very, very, uh, a, a very, uh, very wealthy outcome for yeah. Jacob. Most definitely. And, and Laban kind of got the, the short end of the, the poplar stick a little there so um laban obviously sees this and uh the last thing that we see is uh the last thing in chapter 30 is just that he was blessed and he got a crap ton of stuff yeah um okay so he did this so that his flock would be awesome but he uh he didn't do it for uh, Sorry, he didn't do it for all the sheep and the goats so that Laban actually had some left, yeah. so he didn't do so it So it wasn't complete. too suspicious. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then... Okay. Uh, so Jacob did even say, I'll take the, the spotted and stuff so that my honesty can keep me yeah. accountable. So that you can go through and they're all spotted and speckled, so therefore... 
they're the ones that I've taken. If yep. there are any that aren't, then they're yours and I've stolen them. So then, yep. um, I think in response, it's a, it's a bit of a sad irony that, uh, that Jacob's honesty and humility was not honored by Laban. And yeah. He did something dishonest, um, and dishonorable. Yep. Um, and then that led to a bit of tension, which ultimately led to uh, to Jacob getting out of there with all his stuff. He kind of flees from Laban, and then later um, Laban comes back and says, "Come on, man! All this stuff belongs to me." And Jacob says, "I have done nothing. Yep. I've done nothing wrong." Prove it, Laban, buddy. <laughs> and then Laban Laban kind of eats his pride a bit, um, swallows his pride, and they make a covenant, kind of reestablishing. Uh, some some yeah. reconciled relationship so that's kind of where we leave Jacob this week um, I don't I think the next thing that we'll we'll jump to is is to Joseph so okay we're gonna skip past a couple of the chapters of Esau and Jacob's interactions um, but we will reconvene with Joseph and Jacob's children yeah uh, becoming the major major focus of the story. So, do you have anything else to say, Jeremy? Uh, no. Do you have nothing else to say? Well, I do. I could talk for a lot longer, but my family is waiting for me at dinner. Yeah. So, so it's my um, fiance. So. Oh, bam, 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 double family. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so this has been Scripture Read Badly. My name is Ryan. My name is Jeremy. You can find my writing at anotherunnecessaryblog.wordpress.com. And you can find mine at don'teattrash.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you uh, you can also go to our website, scripturereadbadly.com. Yeah. And you can check out what is there, uh, as well as leaving us a contact form if you want, or you can email us, scripturereadbadly at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That helps us, I think. Yeah, it does. Um, and we are very excited to move on to the story of Joseph. And I hope yeah. you are too. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, Definitely. I, I never know how to sign these things off. Sign uh, us off, Jeremy. Peace out. All you guys and girls. <laughs> Perfect sign off.